Young adulthood is confusing. Navigating the beginning of your career, exploring relationships, and trying to find a balance isn't easy. I'm Allie Dietz, and you're listening to Young Adult Path to Progress. My mission is to help young adults feel a little bit less alone, a little bit less confused, and hopefully inspired by the conversations they hear on this podcast. Welcome to my path. I hope I can help you find peace in yours. Welcome back to another episode of Young Adult Path to Progress. Today is a super special episode. I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine from college, Ellie Whittington. Ellie has been a real inspiration for me. Someone who I used to, well, first we met in Spanish class, (laughs) the most random, but we studied broadcasting together and we used to go to Starbucks and vent about all of the stresses that we were feeling and just have really long in-depth conversations about what we wanted to do, what our dreams were, and how taking the most walked path is not necessarily the best path, that there isn't just one way to success. And Ellie has become the exact model for that. You know, you have taken your own path. You didn't do everything that you were told you had to do in order to be a successful woman in sports, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And you've really, you've gone out there and you've done it. And I'm so proud of you. Well, I'm so proud of you too. Um, Just to start off and say that our friendship, I think is so based on our career path. And we had this similar interest. And I think one of the big reasons that Ali and I became friends in a Spanish class (laughs) was not because we were passionate about having to take that, but really um, kind of what got us to where we were and where we wanted to go from that. It is so funny the way that our friendship developed and like the worst class of my life. I was like on the verge of failure every single day. Guys, this is so funny. Um, We had partners in Spanish class and Allie and I were so bad at Spanish that they would put us in a group of three. Do you remember this? (laughs) Because we were so bad that uh, let's just say foreign language isn't our strong suit. Yeah, we're not going into Spanish broadcasting. (laughs) We made it here though. So like I said, Ellie is a female who works in sports. She works currently as the social media manager for the Nationals. She just won an Emmy for her work with NBC for the Olympics. Congratulations. You know, you're doing just such incredible work and your TikToks have been so great for other women who want to get into sports to see someone out there doing it. So I just want to start out by hearing about what you studied for anybody who doesn't know. Obviously, I know, but Tell people what was your path? What did you study? What internships did you take? And why did you take the path that you did? When I was in high school, I realized that I wanted to go into journalism. And my mom was super supportive of like, well, let's find the best journalism school, particularly on the East so Coast. Cute. Yeah. And she was is so awesome. And, and we traveled. And I'm from a really small town. And so the thoughts of actually moving somewhere to go to college was like a, a big deal. But she was like helping me do this research. We went to NYU. We went to University of Georgia. We looked at UNC Chapel Hill. And someone just mentioned like, you should try Elon. And so I really hadn't heard of this school. It's a small private school in North Carolina. So I went there to study broadcast journalism and I minored in sport management. So I knew at the time, like Ali and I both were in 
broadcasting, but she was more on the entertainment side and I knew I wanted to be in sports. So that's where we differed a lot as kind of our passions in life. And so from there, I was doing this broadcast thing and I loved it. I was hosting. I was the first female host ever of one-on-one sports, which was a sports debate show. And then we were doing local news together. We did all kinds of things. And so from there, I loved storytelling. I think that's the main part of all of this was telling other people's stories in a way that someone else hadn't. So then I went to college and I absolutely hated it. We can talk more about this. I hated my freshman year. I applied for this position on this like kind of like study abroad, but it's called Study USA. And I went to New York City. If you do this, Allie did the LA program. I did the New York program. You have to have an internship. And that's when I interned for Major League Baseball. And so that opened my whole mindset uh, to what really sports business was. And so that was kind of square one, was being thrown into this big city, going to school there, and also being at Major League Baseball. Yeah. So you go to Elon and you study broadcasting and you know that you want to get into sports broadcasting. And then you minor in sports management, sports management. You get your first internship at the MLB in New York City. And this completely shifted your entire experience because you were thinking you were going to drop out of Elon. Yes. New York City changed my life. I think that's why it still means so much to me. Just going back there, I'll walk past the school or Major League Baseball at the time was in Chelsea Market, which is a huge tourist attraction. You'll see a lot of people there. And I'll be in New York sometimes and it'll just put me back in this place. I mean, Ali, I, I knew so little about the world. Growing up, my mom had taken me to New York for my 10th birthday, and then we would go every year. And so I'd always known New York and loved it because small town girl, of course, dreams of being in a big city. But really being there was like, it taught me how to do things by myself. I first moved there and I'd packed boxes and I couldn't like ship pillows. My pillows hadn't arrived or I hadn't ordered them or something. And so I remember standing on a street corner. I was like, I'm just going to go buy a pillow. And you know, where we're from, you go to Target or Home Goods and you can buy a pillow. I had no clue where to buy a pillow in New York City. Like, <laughs> where do you know yeah. where? Like, where am I going to go? So I'm yeah. standing on this corner and I'm lost. And then I'm just crying. Like, I just start crying because I'm like, I have no one to ask. Like, I'm, I don't know which direction and where the heck do I buy a pillow to sleep on tonight? So anyway. Did, from, you, did you end up in the Bed Bath & Beyond that everyone ends yes! up in? The Bed Bath & Beyond on 6th Avenue. Only one Bed Bath & Beyond in the whole city. Yeah. And I think it was dark by the time I got back with my, my pillow to sleep on that night. But uh, we made it. And, and really just being in baseball and learning how to send a professional email, learning how to talk to people and just learning so much that I was a social media intern, which is funny where I am now. And just learning so much about the sport and the business and what it meant to be a woman in sports, what we're going to talk about. Like, yeah. that was square one at 19 years old. So you decide that you're going to stay at Elon and you're going to see it through. What brought you to NC State? Yes. So I'll kind of speed up through this. I stayed at Elon. Things got a little bit better. Um, I kind of got my footing. Elon was hard for me in a lot of ways because... Being from where I'm from, like I told you this recently, I got to college and I had a very thick Southern accent and I would say words like I would call my purse a pocketbook or I would call a winter hat a toboggan and people were like, what are you saying? And just culturally, that was so different. What your charm is though. Oh, you're sweet. (laughs) But but you go to Elon and everyone's from the Northeast. So probably not used to it. No, I remember sitting in class. My first day ever was a globalization class and I had never heard of the word globalization in my life. 
And so the professor asked us a definition and the girl to the right of me just starts blabbing the definition. And then later on in the class, we're talking about women and gender studies. And this girl was like, yes, at my private boarding school, I took a whole class in high school on women and gender studies. I was like, what? what? Is that a health class? Like, what are you talking about? And so I took it, that class. Okay. See some, yeah. Now I'm embarrassed to like say out loud. I don't know what that is. So anyway, I, I come back to Elon. I, I figured out a little bit about the world. I've learned these things and Ended up going back to New York for a little over a summer. I worked in sales for the New York Yankees, back to the whole internship thing. And through this time, the more I worked in baseball, the more I worked in sports, Allie and I have had so many conversations. I saw people older than us going into this local news route and it just hit me one day. I was like, they're not happy. They're going and being on these local news channels in the middle of nowhere, America. Mm -hmm. They don't have friends. They don't have family. They're not making any money. And guess what? I'm not watching the six o'clock news. Allie's not going home and watching the 11 o'clock news. This industry is not going to take me very far right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's what we really bonded on when we were at Elon was that neither of us wanted to take the local news path, even though all of our professors were kind of shoving it down our throats. that that's the only way to be successful in broadcasting. And we both had this niche that we were interested in and that we wanted to pursue a career in. So we were able to really support each other in that because at Elon, everything that we were learning really was hard news focused. And I mean, we're very lucky that Elon has the organizations that it does because we were able to branch off and focus on our niche. Like I was the host of the entertainment news show. You were the host of the sports show, but it really is that niche that that helped us kind of find each other and figure out where we wanted to go. I think to your point about coming to Elon, you came from a small Southern town, came to Elon with a thick Southern accent. And I mean, you were saying that you were even trying to like rein that in a little bit, right? If anyone's listening to this podcast um, and knew me in high school or knew me before, you can say, yes, she talks different and not in a way that it was like, I want to change who I am. That's something I've always been very firm in that I never want to change who who I am. I want to still be that same person, the yeah. kind, caring. I hope that that's just the it, most kind. You're very yeah. sure to say that. You know, I want to be that person that I was raised to be, but there were certain things like changing my accent that people to take me seriously mm-hmm. and I, I still want to have that Southern charm in a sense, but, but yeah, I did because to be on TV or to be a broadcaster or whatever, I knew I had to like lessen the Southern yeah. in my voice. Yeah. But so you got, you went there and you were able to experience and have your eyes open to a bigger version of the world that you've already been living in. Absolutely. You went to New York, you did internships in New York, and then you made the decision to stay in North Carolina and go to NC State to get your master's. Yeah, that was a crazy decision. So when I realized I don't want to go this local news route, I had a professor at Elon that said, there's this program at NC State, they want to talk to you. Long story short, they offered me to go to grad school, they paid my tuition, and they gave me a stipend. So I did research, and it was kind of this, I'm going to get paid to get my master's degree? And everyone was telling me that's something you're never going to regret. And so at the time when we were graduating, this made sense. And and I went that path. Now, 
I learned so much about myself. I was so career focused in college and I learned so much like I think in grad school, just how to enjoy life, how to have this balance a little bit. But at the same time, when I graduated was during the pandemic and that's a completely other story. (laughs) Do you feel like taking that path, going to grad school was a necessary step for someone who wants to pursue a career in sports? No, I get this question a lot from college students that want to talk to me about working in sports. Absolutely not. You don't have to have a master's degree. In the world we live in now, you don't have to have a bachelor's degree. And in some senses, I think for every person, it's different. I think to be in sports for me, it made sense because of the situation I was in and the offer that I had. If I would have had to go into debt to get my master's degree, I don't know if it would have made sense. I am a professor now. I teach at a small school. You're so crazy. And I love it. It's one of the brightest parts of my week. But I have to have a master's degree to teach. And I kind of knew long term, maybe later in life. I didn't expect at 26 I would be a professor. But at the time, I was like, maybe later in life, don't want to work nights and weekends anymore. And maybe I want to have, you know, some different time schedule. And that's why I really got my master's because I was thinking so far ahead, could I be a professor one day? And so now I'm very thankful because I could never teach this class if I didn't have a master's degree. What was it that made you want to become a professor? I think that that's like my heart and so much of working in sports is is I want to give back. I want to help other women. I think, well, anyone really, you know, I want to help men and women that want to be in this industry because I think if any way that I can encourage someone or tell someone my story and that makes it easier for them to enter the industry or if I can tell them these are my experiences, you know, don't accept that kind of pay anymore. Don't accept that kind of treatment. We have to change this industry. And so if I can be a professor and tell them what I've experienced every day, you know, I go, I teach this class while working a full-time job. So I'm actually telling them what's happening in my world. Like this is what happened today. I'm going to teach you how I handled it, how I wish I would handle it differently and how I think that you can learn from this and move forward the things that you're talking about teaching are really important lessons that I feel like I really didn't get when I was in college. And we talked about this when we went to dinner the other night of specifically don't accept that pay, know what your worth and your value is. 26 years old, are you looking on LinkedIn and you see a job to be a professor pop up and you apply? How did that happen? No, I feel so blessed in so many ways. Another professor at Elon, who was actually my first ever sport management professor, has moved on from Elon and teaches at another school. And he called me this summer and he was like, we have this opening for a sport social media and communications class and we want you to teach it. So awesome. I did not apply for this job, but it it meant the world to me. I'm I'm big on staying connected to people and how important people in life are, Mm -hmm. you know, they say who you know is not what you know, but I think so much it's it's the connections and the people. I don't really believe in the word networking as much as it is human connection and the people that believe in you. And so that's how I got this was someone that really has believed in me for a long time and now is paying it forward in that way of letting me give back and teach there. You're working as a professor, you're working full time as the social media manager for the Nationals. But before that happened, you graduate from NC State in the pandemic. You get a job to work the Olympics right away and the Olympics gets canceled. So take me through what graduating was like and navigating your career path during the pandemic. Yeah, 
that's really hard for me to talk about, Allie. I think I'm I'm really good at talking about my successes sometimes, even on social media. I, I post the highlights like we all do. I think but something for me that I'm it's hard to talk about is kind of the low spots. And I would say that really the year and a half of the pandemic um was like one of the hardest of my life. So I, in 2019, a year out from the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, I applied through NBC Sports. And shockingly to me, I got the position. I found out at Christmas. And so the next semester going into 2020, I was like, I have this. It's kind of like a post-grad internship was what I was doing. It was like a freelance kind of post-grad internship. And so I was like, I want to get a full-time job. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to enjoy my last semester. Summer's going to come. I'm going to hopefully go to Tokyo. Like, what a life experience. Maybe they'll hire me full-time. I was doing research as well. So part of my grad school, I was researching children, like physical activity and children playing sports. So research is not really something I'm strong at. And then, so March comes and I'm planning to graduate in May. And then all of a sudden, I go home, like school shuts down and I don't know how to do statistics online from home, having to Zoom my professors. And then that happened and I was like, it's going to be okay. There's no way that they're going to cancel the Olympics. Like this is a world, the biggest world event that happens every four years. The Summer Olympics are going to be canceled. And then I get this email. It's like, you don't have a job and we don't know if the Olympics are going to happen, if they're ever going to happen. And so, of course, looking back in hindsight, I can say, oh, everything's okay. But at that time, I thought that my whole career in sports were over because tournaments are canceled. The NBA cancels. Baseball season's canceled. Everything happens. And I'm like, I have worked my ass off. And here we are. And I can't even, I'll never get a job in sports. At that point, my, my lease was running out of my apartment. I couldn't sign a lease because I didn't know where to go. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't stay in Raleigh because I didn't have a job. It was a lot of me asking friends hey, can I live with you for a few weeks? And so at this time too, through grad school, I had just had to grind to make money. I would literally, (laughs) this is embarrassing to admit, I lived in a fairly nice apartment complex and people would throw out their furniture in the trash and I would go through the trash and I would sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Oh my gosh, genius. And I determined that if I could make two or $300 on Facebook Marketplace from literally this nice furniture that people just threw out, I was a cycle instructor because I could have a free gym membership. So I got certified in that so I could teach that. I wrote Yelp reviews so I could get free food because I became a Yelp elite and they would invite me to these nice dinners. Um, And I joke all the time that one day I'm going to write a book called Broken Bougie because (laughs) that is me. We talk about like holding up our lifestyles so much. And so that's how I maintained my lifestyle. I didn't even know that. It's not that I was so broke that like... you know, I put on this, not this facade. It's just, you know, if I was going to get $7 coffee, then I was going to sell furniture all the trash. And that's what I did. So anyway, I I just made it like I had made it. I was graduating and all of a sudden I have no hope. And I'm like, what have I been doing for the past six years? And I can't, I can't get a job. So 2020 pandemic hits. It's the summer. My friend was getting married. I lived with her for a month and then she kicked me out (laughs) when she was getting married. I found some other friends I lived with. And in between this time, there were a few weeks that um, I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I packed my car full of everything that I owned. And I called my mom and I said, uh, I don't want to sleep in my car. Can I drive home? You know, it was always, of course, you can always come home. So I would just park my car full of my literal everything I owned and sleep at my, my my mom's house. And then I would go back and live with friends. And this happened, this went on for a year. This went on, or a little over, this went on from March 2020 
until May of 2021. It was hard. Like when you talk about mental health, and I know it, it wasn't only me in those moments, I think during the pandemic, it felt like it was only us. Like it was so individual because you're not seeing other people and things. And so I think I forgot like the whole world is experiencing this, but I didn't really have any hope. You know, I knew I had the resume and I have two degrees and, but what am I, what's going to happen? And so in May, I applied for a seasonal role with a minor league baseball team because that's all that there was. There wasn't full-time sports jobs. Here I have a master's degree and I have to accept a job that's going to last six months and it was not going to pay well. I worked four jobs that summer until about three weeks into this job at this minor league team, the Olympics call. And they say, we're actually having the Summer Olympics. Can you, this is in May of 2021. We're going to have the Summer Olympics in July. Do you still want your job? And so here I've just accepted this job with this minor league baseball team because I haven't had a job. And I'm like, well, they've given me a chance. And how do I do this? So uh, not to talk too much about this. I worked at the minor league baseball team. During the Olympics, I would work from like the afternoon through the game. I would go home at 8.30. My Olympics job started at 9 p.m. I worked 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. I would sleep for about five hours. I'd go to work about 11 o'clock the next day, work that night. And I did this for a month. And uh, I, I've ranted long enough now, but that's kind of a, a short version of kind of the ups and downs from 2020 to, I guess, like, some, like a year ago. That's a lot to go through in one year. And this is not even half of the hard shit that you've had to experience on this on this path. So you're hitting the first couple of bumps that you're going to hit in your career path. How do you stay passionate about what you're doing when you're hitting these bumps? I think during the pandemic, my parents kept saying, you, you need to make money. Like, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep working all these jobs. You can't keep living with friends. Like, you've got to figure out something. And I was like, if it's not sports, I'm not doing it because what am I going to go sit in an office and be just as miserable? Like there's something I've learned in the past few years is that, that money is not everything that I was happiest, honestly, when I was selling furniture, all the trash, (laughs) I would stay with my friends and we would buy a bottle of wine because we couldn't afford to go to happy hour. And those were some really bonding moments, honestly. And so realizing that, no, my passion was bigger than any amount of of money I was going to make. And so I think that what keeps me in it, honestly, is one, there are moments when I walk on a field and you can't even buy a ticket for the seat that I have to watch this game. You know, I've sat at Duke under the Cameron Crazies, which is their student section for those of you who don't know. And, and that's like the Mecca of college basketball. And I've had a front row seat to it or you're walking on a baseball field every day close to these players that people don't have access to or even being working in the Olympics. And we didn't even get to that part where I worked the second Olympics. You know, I'm in Stanford, Connecticut, and there's Olympians coming through that people only see on TV their whole lives. And so that's part of it, right, is like this excitement being a sports fan. But I think the bigger part of it is that I just want to help people. Like going back to that, I want to tell people stories. So from yeah. the athlete side of things, I want to tell people stories. And what keeps me going every day is if I can help someone behind me, because I've just told you, when I talked about being a professor, I'm not going to have this career forever. I'm hopefully not going to have an entry level or mid-level job forever. If I can help the next person, that's all worth it. You get the job at the minor league baseball team. It's only seasonal. And you love it. I loved it. Yeah. 
I remember you were just like, I thought you had made it then. Like you were living your dream, but unfortunately it's only seasonal. So you have to find a full-time job and you get a job at Duke. Yes. I leave the Durham Bulls, which is, I, I would praise this minor league baseball team. I, I, I do want to mention something about that. Um, being a woman, this is a very male-dominated industry. And at that time, I was one of very few females. And, and I want to mention this story. So we had to wear a uniform on game days. And it was khaki shorts and a polo shirt. And if you know me, like, that is the last thing that I want to wear to work. And they hand me this polo shirt. And for any woman that's listening, you know that we never want to wear horizontal stripes. Like, <laughs> the ugliest. Oh, no. And I said, okay, well, can I have a women's fit? And they said, well, we used to have women's, but we don't. So you're wearing this, this male's fitted shirt and no woman has ever said like put me in these khaki shorts and so I just want to share that to say that like we've made it a a long way in this industry but we're still not Not super inclusive to women like that outfit is made for a man to wear right and it's just when you conform to but this was a job that you know things are going to pop up like that but this is a job that you felt very respected in Absolutely. The people there respected me a ton and I respected them and they helped me grow a lot. And so, so yes, it's, it's September and I've had this Olympics and I knew it was like I had, I needed a full-time job. I was 25 at the time, but like we all have this, you need health insurance moment and you need actually a better income now. And so I got recruited online from a university in the triangle and my parents in that moment did push like, this is a good name school. Like this is going to be good for your career. And I needed a job. And so I took it. And not knowing a lot that they had 27 sports. I don't think people realize like a lot of colleges, universities, they have so many sports. And it was a lot. So you were working social media. Mm -hmm. You were the social media manager. My official title was assistant director of um, social media for Duke Athletics. Okay. So it was a team of people. Kind of. Yes. There were like four or five of us that covered 27 sports. Okay. And oh my God, this was the second bump for you. Yeah. It's really hard in that moment because still it's, it's really mentally hard when you've, when you've been through so much and you're working towards this, this dream job. And I've had these positions where I love, like I love being at the Yankees or I loved this minor league baseball team. And then I'm in a position that's like, this isn't actually where I want to be, but like, I need a job. Yeah. And you get to this job, you think it's going to be really good stepping stone for you, which it it is. Mm -hmm. It was a great resume builder. Let's just call it that. But you get there and the environment that you're working in is not a healthy environment that, you know, you've experienced in the past. I tell people a lot. I think that you don't know sometimes an unhealthy environment until you've had a healthy environment. And I, I don't say this just particularly about this job, but in, in several places I've been, is that things to look for is, is, is look for culture, ask about culture. It's so much more about the people, again, going back to the people aspect, the people that you have surrounding you and the kind of mentorship and leadership and growth opportunities that you have. So many things that I wasn't taught in college, I think. And so I'm in this job. And I realized very quickly, like, this isn't the spot for me. Mm -hmm. I'm traveling every weekend with different sports. A lot of college athletics is you're pleasing head coaches. Um, You're working with these college athletes, which is I I respect a ton. 
but no matter what the culture, what my situation was there, I, I figured out very quickly, like, this is not good for me. Yeah. So how long were you there? I do also want to commend them, though. When I took this job, I knew because of the way that the Olympics had worked that there would be a, the Winter Olympics were happening in six months. So I did ask because something I will say about myself that I am proud of is when I know that I want something, I figure out how to get it. Yeah. Especially in my career. And so I knew that I wanted, if any way possible, for me to work these Winter Olympics. So I, I said when I took this job at Duke, I said, I want to work the Winter Olympics in February. I will only accept this job if you allow me that opportunity. The Olympics hadn't even told me I had the job, but I knew I was going to get it <laughs> if I had any say in it. And so I, I worked the Winter Olympics in February while also keeping my full-time job at Duke. And then I stayed there until, um, I didn't stay there that long, honestly. I stayed there until um, April. So 10 months or less, eight months. If you're not in a mentally and emotionally stable place because of a job, the job isn't worth it. So you were applying to jobs while you were there. Allie is, again, one of my most encouraging friends, especially when it comes to career and and realizing when something, whether that's a job, whether that's a relationship, what that is, that you, whatever like listener that you're going through you know, there's, there's a part I think about being tough and realizing that you can push through something. And there's a part about being tough and realizing that, that you can leave something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's also, you need to weigh what the, what the reward from this position is. If, you know, you're spending five days a week at a job, you're spending most of your time there. And is that emotional baggage from the job bleeding into your everyday life? Are you, you know, you talked earlier about how you were able to learn that work-life balance a little bit while you were getting your master's. Are you off balance because of this job, not just when you're there, but when you leave there as well? Yeah. I, I'll tell you an, another story. I was driving. I had to go to cover Duke softball at Georgia Tech. It was the weekend return from the Olympics. And I didn't think that I needed to go. I could cover the game remote. And I remember asking my boss, like, please, can I not go? And she was like, we can talk about that next season, but you have to drive to Georgia Tech, which is in Atlanta. So I get in my car and I had mapped it out perfectly. I could stop in Greenville, South Carolina. I had like 20 minutes to get lunch. At the time I was very strictly gluten-free. So I knew where I could eat. And I get to this place, I get on my car and I go to order and they said, our kitchen is behind. It's going to take 45 minutes for you to get food. And I just started bawling. Like, I think there might be two, twice in my life I've ever had a panic attack. And that might sound so crazy over a, over a sandwich in Greenville, South Carolina. But I got in the car and I called my mom and I was like, I can't do this. And, she, and, and over, over eating lunch, like that sounds so crazy. But it was so much beyond that. It was, it was so much more. I mean, my whole life was my job. And, and I want to say that about working in sports and to anyone, there is such a balance. And there were times I've missed friends' weddings. My mother, like, shout out to her. I have friends from home that will have baby showers, bridal showers, and we both get invited. And I'm like, okay, mom, will you go and take you the gift? To show that, yeah, you need a show face for us. Yes. And, yeah. my, and she continually did it over and over and over again. Take this gift. Sign my name to it. Like, and... Because I, I just wasn't showing up. And I think I'm still battling with that right now. 
And so at, at this moment in, in this in my car um, going to South Carolina, I think that's when I realized, like, we have to get this under control. My mental health, my well-being is more important than on a Saturday or Friday or whatever it was, not having enough time to eat lunch and then panicking because I didn't know when I was ever going to have time again. Yeah. So you realize that this is not something that you can stay in. And you started applying to jobs while you were there, which is a full-time job. In itself. In itself. So I commend you. I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) And you get your current job. Yeah. And you pack your bags and you move to D.C. to live with someone that you barely knew, somebody else's house, and you take this job at the Nationals. I applied for this job. Allie, this might not make a lot of sense to you if you're listening to this, no sports. Major League Baseball was in a lockout, so it wasn't happening and we didn't know. The day that the lockout ended, I applied for this job at the Nationals. And the way that sports jobs go, if if you ever want to work in sports, is they hire very quickly. And it's not like in a business world where you can take a job and you can come in six months. It's like, no, we want you here in six days. And so I applied for this job at the Nationals. They were like, okay, great. When can you be here? And I was like, well, I need to give a two-week notice. And I really wanted to work out. I'd worked through basketball season. I had kind of paid my dues in a lot of ways to Duke. But, like, I felt bad at the timing with everything. But I knew that they needed me. And so I do recommend if you'd leave a job, take time off. Take two, I wish I'd have taken two weeks. I asked for two weeks. Again, respect your boundaries. Lots of life lessons I've learned recently. I took two days. I took a Monday and my, I took a April 25th and the 26th. The 26th was my birthday. I took two days off between jobs and I moved. When you left your job at the university, were you able to give them a two week notice? I did. Good. I worked out my time there. Okay. So now I didn't give myself the two weeks off that I wanted between jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So you say you have lots of regrets with certain ways that certain things were handled. Do you have any of those regrets that you feel comfortable talking about? Sure. I would try. I think making sure that something is right for you. When you take a job, now that I have talked about this, is that how are you going to fit in there? You know what you're capable of. You know what you can give. At this point, I really believed in myself. And that had been the first time. You know, we came a long way since summer of 2020 where I was like, okay, you can be picky and choosy. And I wasn't in some ways. I just, I, if you're in a job that you know you need to get out of, don't take another job just to have a job. Think through what you're doing. I want to move the conversation to talk about what it's been like to be a woman working in sports because we've talked about a lot of bumps that you've had in your career path to get where you are right now. We haven't even talked about the respect that you need to demand that you don't automatically get. And even when you demand it, a lot of the time, I'm sure you don't get it. I think that you you spoke a little bit about early on in your career, literally in college, you decided that you needed to rein in your Southern accent so that you could be respected more. I want to hear what it's been like for you to demand respect. Are there other ways that you feel like you have had to make sacrifices in order to 
be respected. Yes, I think that's an interesting point that you made about demanding respect. I think not that you're wrong, but I think you have to earn respect. And I think that that's what every woman is constantly trying to do in this industry. And there's a lot of ways that I had to do it. I even learned in college really early on, I was like the one of the only females kind of in this sports broadcasting realm. And just the expectation, not only that I have to know about sports, I had to know more about sports because I was going to be questioned I'll tell you, when I when I interned for Major League Baseball, I used to wear blue light glasses because one, they do help. I really believe that. Maybe it's a placebo effect. But I also read that you're taken more seriously and viewed as smarter if you wear glasses. And I would do anything to, for people to maybe view me as being intelligent. Or And then it became, you know, how do I prove myself? And I was working at a baseball team. I won't name which one. And I had a boss come up behind me one day and said, Ellie, do you know how many guys are on the field? Yes, I answered the question. And then he asked me who our second baseman was. Again, I'm a huge baseball fan. Like I was a fan. Like I yeah. knew exactly I answered the question. He leaves. My coworker beside of me said, Elliot, I, I'm not a fan of this team. Like I couldn't even answer that question. And I laughed and it, and it was like, you know, he would have never been asked that question. And there's just been so many instances that it's it's constant, like, even just not even at work, people don't assume. It happened last week. I was in an elevator in a hotel with my mom and a kid was wearing a national shirt and I commented, are you going to the game? And his guardian started explaining to me how the team had a rain delay and they were playing two games and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and my mom looks at me after we get off the elevator and she's like, do you not ever just want to be like, I posted that. Like, I know exactly what, what was it. What was it that you said happened with when you went to get your car, your car done? Was it your tires or something? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny a lot. Like there are a lot of times that I'll just, for, I don't want to say I pretend, but like you just get tired of trying to prove Explain yourself. yourself. Explain yeah. yourself. I was wearing a New York Yankees hat and, uh, the guy was like, you can't wear that in here. And I just played it off. I was like, I bought this at Urban Outfitters for like fall fashion. Because I think it's hilarious that you can you can buy sports gear at Urban Outfitters. I've never have, done that. I have a Yankees hat from Urban Outfitters. <laughs> Sorry, Allie. And I I swear it's my favorite hat. Good. I'm glad. I'm thrilled. And I wear it to the gym and people are like, you're a Yankees fan. And I'm like, I lived in New York. <laughs> And I don't say that to like <laughs> demean any woman that wears a sports hat for a fashion item, but there just comes a time that I'm like, I don't really want to have to go through this yeah, again. Yeah. And so the, there's so many, I, I feel like we could just talk forever about this being a woman in sports thing. And, and what's so hard for me and something I realized early on is there's this one message that's like, cover yourself up, like wear this polo shirt and don't make yourself look cute. You need to blend in. Like you don't need to, you have to blend in. And then there's this other side that's like, you know, like don't be too showy. But then there's this other side, but, but like look sexy enough because to be a woman in sports, like you better look good. And I just one day decided like, I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. Like women around me want to wear these, unless it was part of the uniform. But like if they want to, you know, dress like this, like I'm super girly. Yeah. I love fashion. I'm going to wear to work what I want to and respect myself, but I'm never going to lose who I am in this. I can be a woman in sports and also 
love to drink red wine and go to brunch on the weekend. Yeah, the job that you have is dependent on the knowledge that you know that apparently a lot of men don't know. (laughs) Right. So what has been one of the hardest, like, can you think of one instance that was a comment somebody made or a maybe not a coworker, but somebody at the stand or somebody in the field that made you feel like you didn't belong? Because I know that I see it on your TikTok comments. Yeah, that that is one. So I started this TikTok account just mostly talking about, you know, trying to help other women. I get at least probably a few messages a week from people that say, I found you on TikTok. A guy messaged me this week, I found you on TikTok. And I really want to talk about your career path. And that's why I do these TikToks. <laughs> They're fun in some ways, but if I can help people... I think that there's been many moments that I've gotten those, that I've had a comment made. Um, my friends or my mom could probably even tell you more of times I've called yeah, they crying. Get, they get more mad than you do, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, there was this one TikTok comment recently that was like, like, sure, you know, like, I'm sure you got the job because of your knowledge. I think that's what it was. And I think that's what's so it's assuming like I'm a blonde female, like obviously that's why they hired me. Yeah. And that gets so old, but it happens all the time. And there's just a time that I just have to be like, okay, I know what I know. I believe in myself. If if I had given in to any comment that anyone had ever said, like I'd have quit a long time ago. I also work on the internet. I work in social media. The 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 things that I have to deal with mental health wise because I live on the internet is hard enough, much less trying to be a female. It's hilarious to me that people comment all the time, like the dude that runs this account. I was going to say bet he thinks this. And your your TikTok, or I mean your your accounts have gone not TikTok because you don't have a TikTok for the nationals, right. but your your accounts have done really well Thanks. under your supervision. <laughs> Thank you. Like when you were running the Twitter. You posted something, what, about the Empire State, the Empire Building. State Building, Building responded? Yeah. And like the New York Post wrote an article about it. Like the Today Show did an article about something recently. And that means a lot. Like, you know, even winning this Emmy Award, it, it wasn't, I mean, yes, the award has my name on it, but it was a, a, a group of us that worked social media. And this Emmy is from the Summer Olympics, 2020, 2020 Tokyo in 2021. And I think that it doesn't matter how many awards or articles that are written about me or written about my work. And it's still like, there's always this like imposter syndrome a little bit that comes through. But at the same time being like, no, like I am capable. I did that. And that's something I've been really hard. I don't really like talking about myself in some ways, but I think that I need to realize sometime, like I'm actually good at my job. Mm -hmm. And if you want people around you, I will say about NBC Sports, I had the best boss ever there because you know why? He believed in me and he saw the capability in me and he excelled, like he excelled me in that. He saw what I was good at and he was like, that's what we're going to have you do. Mm. You want to be around people, whether that's your relationship, your friendships, like your coworkers, be around people that see the best in you and help you be your best Mm -hmm. because I've been a lot of places that have not been that. And that's when, you know, it's time to go. It sounds like you've had a lot of really great impactful relationships that you've built that have guided you through this career. What do these mentorships mean for someone trying to build a career in sports? And 
how did you meet all of these people just through school and jobs? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's something that I, I, like I said, I value a ton is is relationships and people. Some have been professors I stay in touch with from Elon um, or grad school. I had an, I worked with someone. I was a teacher assistant in grad school as well, and a great mentor that I had. Um, he actually like died suddenly a few months ago, and that was something really hard for me because he was someone that I would pick up the phone and call and say, "Should I take this job?" or "This is what was is going on." And he'd been in the industry. He was the general manager where the Carolina Hurricanes play and where they have concerts at PNC Arena. And so he was so well-respected. And that was really hard for me, like losing a mentor like that. But even my boss at NBC, or I'm still really close with my boss at the Yankees, who I I, I text him about baseball sometimes. That's so fun. But at the same time, knowing that he has my back, he actually, my boss at the Yankees was a Clemson alumni and when Clemson played Duke, I gave him tickets because these were the hardest tickets to get this past year. But like he meant so much to me that I wanted to give to him in the ways that he had helped me in my career. And so I would say I am who I am because of people I surround myself with. And I fully believe that. And I wouldn't be where I am in my career if it hadn't be, been for people that really believed in me and like helped me get to where I want to go. So these connections that you build are I'm sure that's a lot of what keeps you going, too. It it seems like that's everything. It pushes you, keeps you going. How would you say if people wanted to build a career in sports, they should go about this networking? Because I think what you said at the beginning of this conversation is really difficult because you were saying you don't like to use the word networking, that you like to think of it as a human connection. Yeah. I think it's just having conversations. I hope that that's what my TikTok is, right? It's like super simple. Like I hope I come across as personable. I'm just a normal person. I think that that's something that my mom taught me really early on in life was like, you treat people the same, whether it's a janitor or it's the CEO, you treat every, every single person that you're around the same. And I think that's why I'm able to work in sports and not get like, I'm going to treat the usher the same as I'm going to treat the, the athlete because we are all humans. We are all people. And so if you can get that out of your mindset of like, oh, this person has such a high title or they're so-and-so. Nope. <laughs> like we're all just people. We all have our own stuff. We all have our good days. We all have our bad days. And so if you can get that out of your mind, like don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. Like I love when people message me because I love to talk to people and help them. But at the same time, I think that that's important. Like cold email someone DM them on Instagram. Like, I am going to respond. If that person doesn't respond to you, if they're not nice to you, that's not a person you want in your life anyway. And you're going to run into people like that. You're going to run into people who didn't have the mom that taught them to treat the janitor the same way that they treat the CEO. You're going to run into people when you're trying to build a career path, any career path, whether it be sports, entertainment, career paths within communications and career paths that have a lot of competition you're going to run into people who don't give you the respect. You're going to run into people who think that they're high and mighty because they made it somewhere. So when you've run into these kinds of situations, how do you handle that? The great philosopher Taylor Swift (laughs) says that people throw rocks at things that shine. And that's one of my favorite lyrics. And that's the truth. The more successful you are, the more people are not going to like you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's unfortunate, but that's something that I've even realized recently. I think I see the good in everyone. And sometimes that's a blessing and sometimes it's a curse because 
in that situation. Like there are people that don't want to see you succeed. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. There are mean girls in the industry. I don't understand how it can be so hard to be a woman in sports and how you would not support another woman. Uh, That blows my mind, but it happens. And I've dealt with it a lot. And I don't like that, but that's the reality check. Do you think that you have experienced this more from men or from women? (laughs) Women. (laughs) What about the prejudice? Hmm. That's hard. I think it comes from both. Like, it's unfortunate. I, I don't know. That's a hard, that's a hard question. I think that like, I think I'm just constantly, and I want to get out of this mindset sometimes of like constantly trying to fight to prove myself because, but I will tell you like the people that make it in sports, you have to be supportive. I mean, my, I have a lot of guy friends and that simply comes from working in sports, but they respect me a ton. And that's what I've realized. Like there have been probably more from men than there are from women, but there's still there's still people that don't want you to succeed no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I really want to do is make sure that even though we're talking about these really difficult parts of the job in your career path, you also love your job. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that you stay in it and not everybody is going to be judgmental of the woman who is getting in sports. I think we were talking on the phone I think yesterday and you mentioned to me all the women that have paved the way for you to be able to walk where you're walking right now. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. I do. I love what I do or I I, I wouldn't do it. I say that all of the time. And so that's something I want to say that I've I've talked a lot about the heart in this. And I think that there is so much good, uh, but I wanted to be vulnerable in sharing that it's not all sunshine. It's not all the the highlight reel. No, it's not the highlight. It's a job. Exactly. I think that that's, that's the same. I'm just, I, I'm lucky enough to like love what I'm, what I'm getting to do. And that's why I show up every day. That's why I want to keep, whether it be this current job I'm in or wherever I go, like, or I'm teaching these, these students how to have this career. Like I have to have a lot of passion behind it. And I think that that's a big driver, like find what you're passionate about in life, because that will drive you more than anything. Like money, success, those things only get you so far, but like the love that you have for something is going to get you so much further. I worked a race in my hometown recently. Um, There used to be a NASCAR race where I live and they're kind of bringing it back. And I was working with these people and I've never been around such genuinely nice humans that were passionate about something. And that's what lit my fire and made me want to go to work every day for the three days that it lasted because I just wanted to be around people that loved what they were doing. Yeah. It really comes down to the people. Yes. It's crazy. I I just feel like that's, uh, I'm curious what your Myers-Briggs is (laughs) because I'm the exact same way. I think I'm an ENFJ. I'm ENFP. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're friends. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you about the little girl because I remember there was a dad who came up to you or did he DM you on TikTok? Yeah, I've gotten a few. Yeah. Tell me about them. I had a dad that reached out and said, like, my daughter just really admires you and like wants to be like you and and I've had dads also say, I don't know if I would, you know, be as a proponent of women in sports if I didn't have a daughter. And I think that goes back 
you know, to my dad too, I'm, I'm really thankful that he, when I was sitting on the couch on Sundays and I was asking what a flag on the play meant, or, you know, I was asking about these rules that he wasn't like, shut up, you're annoying me. He was like, okay, I'm going to tell you and explain this to you. But going back to this TikTok comment, like knowing that there are little girls out there, knowing when I'm standing on a field that there are, there are girls in the, in the stands watching me and that someone might think I want to be her. How do I get to do that? that means the world to me. Yeah. I feel like these are the types of things that make it worth it. Like you're in a position that you are truly inspiring the next generation of people. And you are still a part of a wave of women who are paving a path for other women in the future, for that little girl who wants to grow up to be like you. Right. We've came a long way. People say that sometimes like, well, isn't it easy for you now? Like women have been doing this or women are getting jobs so much easier. There are tons of women in sports now. And the point is, is yeah, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that there are women that have came before me, that I don't have to be the first at a lot of things, but we're not there yet. Yeah. It's not, you know, people are still telling me how I should look or what to wear or questioning me when we can get, we just have so much improvements that need to be made. Mm -hmm. And but I'm very thankful that I'm not the first to have had to do, to do it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's on the right path? Absolutely. I think you can look at the world in two ways. You can look at it as we're getting better or, or we're getting worse. And I think if you are constantly thinking that there's bad in the world, that's the mindset you're going to go in. So I have to look at that things are getting better, right? Like not that long ago, Ali, we didn't have the right to vote. Like, yeah if we can just continue to progressively move in a, in a positive way, then like it's going to get better. We didn't tap into anything about your current job at all. But one thing that I think is important for people to hear is the hours that you're working. Yeah. I started this job at the beginning of baseball season and it's 162 games and in six months. And we don't have really off days that there's maybe one or two a month, like on a random Thursday but I don't have weekends off. I don't have nights off. I'm not going to dinner with friends. I'm not traveling on the weekends. Like, what is the 4th of July? Oh, that's a holiday. It came and went. I joked to my mom. I was like so sad the other day. I was like, mom, like, I can't even believe that summer's over because I didn't experience one day of summer. And she was like, it's great that you like thrive in the fall. And so here I am trying to thrive in the fall now that the season's over. But yeah, I work insane, a sane amount of hours. Okay. Any advice you have for women? Yeah. To wrap things up, I would say for women, um, believe in yourself. I think that's so important. Like you first have to believe in yourself and I hope that you have people around you that believe in you, but, but if you don't like know that you can do it, I fully believe that we can all reach our dreams. It's the people that quit trying that don't. I really believe that most all of us are capable of getting to where we want to go. So find what you're passionate about and then believe in yourself. When I've been at jobs, I've been in places, internships, where I had to realize like this wasn't the end of the road. I think that's what I tell myself a lot, that this, you haven't gotten to where you're going, but at the same time, enjoying the journey. I think not everything is about the destination because I am fearful sometimes that I'm going to be 40 something and I'd be like I've made it be like but what now Mm -hmm. like I want to make sure that I'm enjoying my life and the people that I'm blessed to have in my life during the journey through it too 
Well, thank you for coming on. You've been awesome. Thank you guys for listening.